Colony Confidential. Coming up next on Colony Confidential. My name is Zach Aton, and I teach in uh, New York City Public School in Brooklyn, New York. I teach earth science currently in a high school, and I teach urban ecology, and I also have a course that I teach, uh, which is engineering, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. It's a STEM course. We had an idea to have a documentary lesson on rats since it was a course named urban ecology rats are part of the new york city urban ecology especially if you take the train i mean the rats are everywhere we figured let's just show the students a documentary on rats when it just came out and um, have them take notes and then i had the students also write an essay so every one of my students wrote an essay on this documentary all the uh, the science that's involved with uh, rodentology and also just the ecology of rats, how they got to North America. And they were really surprised to hear that rats are not native to North America. They came here from Europe, just like horses, for example, are not native to North America. Uh, we looked up Ed just out of curiosity, and I just had this idea to have him in and uh, as an expert talk. And Ed was very gracious to come in. And uh, everybody fell in love with that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, as his son, that seems to be the case. So did you learn anything from the documentary that you didn't previously know? Yes, I've learned that rats are evolving to be smarter, larger, tolerant to rodenticide. And it was interesting to learn about their community, how they have this hierarchy in their community, just like humans do. When Ed said, you know, when there's some new food that is available, the rats will send the weak one. Ed said something like, oh, Joey, let's, let's send Joey or Mikey to go check out the food. And then they see if uh, that weak one does not die, then they'll go in and uh, eat the food themselves. But if that weak one dies, then they won't touch it. It's a smart way to, to handle things, uh, to stay alive. In urban ecology, did you touch on other pests? We touched on parasites that are discussed in urban ecology, anything from the bot fly to the ringworm or all kinds of tapeworms. The students were disgusted by it, but also they learn about it. And we've learned that these rats also carry parasites, such as the bot fly, such as these worms. So this podcast is mainly on education and, you know, the urban ecology part, but the urban planning also in New York City, as of late, has taken rolling abatement into more consideration and more seriously we were talking earlier before the podcast started about the rat birth control that's coming out and you're going to see this i think implemented more and more in public parks because of its low toxicity and its effect on the human population and the environment and it really only affects the rats and this particular product is actually PETA loves it because it, it's not really harming the rats, they don't, so it's funny, PETA endorses the product. It's P-E-T-A, not a guy named PETA. Yeah, PETA endorses the product. They protest the laboratory of this company because they're testing on rats. Just saying, um, you know, we want the younger generation to see that pest control is not somebody running around throwing poison. And I thought that that documentary on rats did it well because they show all of these scientists, all the experiments that uh, go on. And um, with Dr. Cargan, they're downtown Manhattan when they start kicking this garbage and the rats come flying out, which is a pet peeve of mine for years. I remember a couple of years ago being in um, Budapest, Hungary, and I'm, I took pictures of their garbage cans because they were all slick-sided. The rats couldn't get a, a hold. And next thing I see, uh, Bobby Corrigan talked to the powers that be 
And we're now seeing a lot of slick-sided garbage cans, so we're cutting off some source of food, but not enough. The garbage goes out at 6 or 7 o'clock at night, but don't get picked up till 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. I've seen it when I've been out on some of the night patrols. They put the garbage out, and 5, 10 minutes later, rats come popping out of their burrows, and they're in there eating it. So um, I enjoyed it because it educated the younger generation that there's exterminators out there, and they're a little more than just throwing poison around. We're passing on the knowledge. Education is the key to getting your customer on board and really getting rid of the problem. And, and you know that we've been involved in a lot of construction sites and development sites. One of the things in a meeting that stood out that we joke about to this day is when the guy said, ah, an exterminator is an exterminator. And then after he saw our program, he was like, you know, I, I really didn't think there was ever a difference. I just figured there's a road abatement. It's a line item in the construction plan that we check off. And that's it. But then everybody ends up, this is how you end up. And we've t told these stories before. You end up with rats on a 77th floor in a high-rise apartment building during construction. You end up with rats on a 55th floor. And it's because that is just a line item and it's not seen as something that is necessary. And I think we're getting more and more into that. And the developers that we deal with are now calling us and saying, you know, we like what you did and, and we have a whole road abatement program. Part of urban ecology and urban planning that this is what really needs to be thought of in a more in-depth way because construction sites are breeding grounds for rats. I've been in this business 50 years and um, I was an exterminator running around with a couple of days growth ripped jeans. Nobody cared. I gradually became a pest management professional and what I learned, yes I am an exterminator, I'm a pest management professional, but I'm also an educator. I have to educate my customers, let them know what they can and cannot expect. I don't overpromise and underdeliver. You under-promise and over-deliver. And the other thing, I became a caterer. These baits that we use, they're more effective, and we can sort of look at who we want to suppress and see their habits. Where do they travel? Where do they hang out? How do they, if you want to call, get to work? Where do, how do they travel to their food source? And we would put our food in their way. So here, we're, we're actually delivering. We deliver. So not as much spray and a lot more education to the customers. And we still educate ourselves because not only do we have to get the credits to renew, but if you're really serious, you're going to all of these conferences, for example, down in Orlando, out to Denver, wherever, to learn something new, to get an edge. Also local associations and local seminars, like he's saying. Just going back on urban planning and construction sites, and for those of you out there from a business aspect trying to figure out, how do I even get to know about this? Wherever you are, I imagine there's a BOMA association, which is something that you should become a part of. There's local organizations, a guild or a, a management group of building managers BOMA is Building Owners and Management Association. And this is this is a good place to start if you're not sure because if you Google it, BOMA is an international group. As we're talking about speaking and education, you want to get in front of these groups and have PowerPoint could be your best friend or you might hate it, but to, to have these where you could send it out in a PDF form and say, I'd like to come and speak for free and get your name out there and what you do. And then people start to remember you for what you spoke about. And then on top of it, they say, hey, remember that guy that spoke? We should get him in here because he seemed to know what he was talking about. And we have this problem that our current pest management person can't fix. So education overall is key. And you kind of need to train your customer. 
and train them into how you do things. We go into places all the time and they tell us this isn't how the guy used to do it. And then instead of just saying, well, this is how we do it, we explain it and educate them on the whys, why we don't come in and spray everywhere the first time, which touches back to IPM that you'll have heard about in a previous podcast. So education slash training of your customer is key. And joining these other groups, wherever you are, you'll figure it out by Googling management groups, building management groups, Bomer's a big one, and then just getting in and educating them. And that's how you can get some of these construction sites in New York City. Before you can demo a building, you need to have a road and abatement program in place. And as the pest management professional, we have to sign off that it was handled and that we've monitored the site for, I believe it's a minimum of two weeks and that there's been no rodent signs or activity for those two weeks. We sign off on it, give it to the construction company. The construction company then gives it to the city agencies and then they're allowed to demo the building. So you get involved with these agencies or these groups and once they get to know you, they'll call you. One thing about urban planning is there's constantly buildings going up and coming down. Another issue right now in the scientific community that relates to urban ecology is climate change. One thing that is associated is uh, the rise of water or more presence of water, be it through hurricanes or sea level rise. Data shows that more hurricanes, we're getting more of them. We will get more of them. And uh, with that presence of water will also come the presence of pests. For example, in the documentary in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, what climatologists are telling us today is that we will see more Katrinas in the next uh, 50 years coming. This is definitely an issue to consider. As we talked about rats earlier, in New York City, we currently only have the Norway rat. But there's a roof rat that we, not too many people in New York even know how to deal with except for what we've read in books. And I believe this is a product of climate change as well. They are now as far north as Maryland which in the past they've never, to my knowledge, been past. They're on their way. But they've never been past the Carolinas. And the other thing, too, with climate change, you're going to have more mosquito issues. There are other bugs that we have stink bugs now, even the parrots. So you're from Brooklyn. You you know the green parrots are all up and down Flappish Avenue, and they were never supposed to. The monk parakeets. They were never supposed to survive. When the crate broke in JFK, it was, they'll never survive. They're a tropical pest. And what did they do? They adapted, and they built their nest in the Transformers, which I'm sure is very safe. But they built their nest in Transformers, and they started off in, like, the east. What is Avenue J over there? What is that section? Flatbush. That's like Flatbush. Flatbush, Flatbush Midwood. They started off there. They're in Brooklyn Now they're everywhere. I was there one night when I was going to school. And here's a pigeon, and he's trying to take food from the parrot, which was like half the size. And the parrot gave him a couple of pam pam with the wings and then pecked him, and the pigeon walked away. I go, I like mm-hmm. that tough little monkey <laughs> like that. So, yeah, it, nature, is, nature is wonderful. Our manufacturers and our scientists are constantly striving for better, better results. I would agree with that. The problem is the elected officials and the government agencies where, mm-hmm. like in, in New Orleans, like you were talking about, Any good pest management professional would be able to tell you with that amount of garbage, there should be a rodent plan in place. And there probably wasn't. Or if there was, it was given to the lowest bidder. And I think everybody knows what the lowest bidder is all about. Not the same quality of work as someone in the middle. And the plan, again, it's just a line item that the government needed to check off. Yeah, we got a rodent abatement plan in place while we clean up after Katrina. The real thought is not put into it. New York City, to their credit, hired Bobby Corrigan. Probably 10 years ago? Yeah. 10 years ago or more. And and so now it's funny. 10 years ago they hired him. And and now, as of last year, you're just seeing those new 
sanitation, garbage bins in the street that is rat proof because of the slick sides and they're all metal. It also goes to show you from a small business standpoint, we're like a speedboat and we could change on a dime and adapt to whatever's going on in a government, municipality, state, city organization. It's like a cruise liner. And I got those analogies from you, sir. It just takes longer for things to change and the rodents are changing so quickly. And for us to change to it, for a private industry, small company, it's easy. And the larger you are, the harder it gets. Yeah, and then it all comes back, I believe, uh, like you said before, to education, educating the public, awareness of this uh, pest control business with climate, ecology will change, and that we need to kind of be on top of that change. All of these uh, rooftop gardens, urban gardens that started so many years ago, people didn't even necessarily think about pests because it was on the 18th, 20th, 50th floor of the building. They're coming. Yeah, uh, you know, not for nothing. We're kind of bringing them. People didn't think of it, and then all of a sudden, they're like, "God, this doesn't make any sense. Your pest control program is terrible." And we're like, "Well, no, not really. You put a garden on the roof." Yeah, you got to read so, the contract. You know, when I was a kid, I had pigeons, and everybody's like, "Oh, pigeons! They're crapping all over. They're disease carriers," and that's very true. But the pigeons I had had bloodlines. They got medicine. They were given a certain feed. They were monitored. They were exercised regularly. They had a nice uh, coop that they stayed in. We would selectively breed different pigeons with different pigeons. They weren't your ratty pigeons out in the street. So those rats that people are saying, oh, how could you say that? Well, that rat that you're talking about, he wasn't a street rat. And I'll tell you what, I'd like to get a couple of these people and I'll catch a couple of street rats and I'll bring them over to you and see how fast you want to cuddle this slimy, disease-ridden ass. It would be really interesting to see an alpha male from... From the street. Yeah. Go in there and kick the (laughs) shit out of all of those pansy asses. But there's just a difference. And rats are communal like us. And I could see somebody having a pet rat. And my sister had a pet rat. (laughs) And we made fun of her all the time for it. She had a pet rat. It was black and white. It was domesticated. It bit me all the time, but didn't bite anybody else, of course. The rat's name was Algernon. This rat was beating up the other rats. So we said, okay, we'll take this rat. It was a female rat. So we're looking at the rat, me and my office manager, Sammy, and we decided that this rat was, was hostile because it needed a mate. So we go over to our local pet shop, and we say, we need a male. So we throw the male in there, and <laughs> we come in the next morning, and she bit him all around the eyes, and she beat the crap out of him. I go, holy God. We decided she was, you know, she was just a rat with a nasty attitude. I mean, you meet people like that too frequently. But the other story I remember about that, I was talking to my son, Joey, and I said, well, at least she's got rats, so not too many guys are going to date her. And the response was, yeah, yeah, except guys that like rats too, which kind of scared me. <laughs> But she had a pet rat. She would let it crawl on her. She would hang out with it. It was certainly a companion-type pet. Domesticated. Like Ed said, similar to the pigeons he had, I highly doubt that they were ever street rats or where they came from. It's the same kind of like lab rats, the white rats that you see. These are domesticated rats, and it's not the same as a, as a rat in the street that's disease-infested, that is crawling into your food stuff and, and messing up the economy, in a sense, by having to throw out food, getting people sick. When Ed came to our classroom, we had two hooded rats yeah. um, in the classroom, for two males. That first year we got them, there were babies, the kids played with them, uh, they were safe to play with. After that first year, Joe took them home, Joe was the other science teacher, and uh, one of the rats either started eating the other rat or somehow killed 
the other rat. I guess like primates, some humans keep our monkeys as pets at home, but once they reach puberty, they become very violent. Yeah. And the same is the same thing with uh, raccoons. There was a time in, uh, that the Japanese not too long ago started importing raccoons from North America. Raccoons also, when they reach the age of puberty, they become violent. Uh, so people just release them into the wild. And um, the raccoons in Japan have expanded in the wild and they caused all kinds of problems, building damages and things like that. I have a question for you. We've asked this before. Would you eat a rat? That was a question that came up uh, in the classroom a few times. And uh, some students raised their hands and said, yeah, I would eat a rat. Um, I would eat a rat. Yeah. Yes. Not how the Cambodians do it. I would eat them. Um, if they were FDA approved. <laughs> yeah, they could be farm What about like, trust the FDA? So the Entomological Society sponsors insect eating or what, what, what is it again? It's a new thing. Eating insects is this yeah. new. Yes. So would, would you, do you think you would do that? Like chocolate insects. covered insects? It's making its way into the American food system. Yeah, I would. They have insect uh, flour now that they sell that is high in protein and it's very healthy. And you make bread with it, or you can make chips with it, cook with it, bake with it. And the taste difference, you wouldn't even notice. There's a concern now with the population rising so quickly for a food source. And they're, they're identifying things that we haven't eaten. But, you know, to get back, if I would eat a rat, if I was starving, I'd eat a rat. And I was over in Ireland many years ago, and we had chicken at my aunt's farm. And I said it was nice, and she said, want more tomorrow night? I said, yeah. Not eating chicken all my life. She gave me a hatchet and told me to go grab one. Yeah, I had to think. Of, had to think about it. So, if I was brought up where we had rats for dinner or rats, rat sandwiches, you know, like you say, as long as it's FDA approved, why not? It's high in protein. Well, they had chocolate covered ants when I was in Paris in two thousand. So, well, not too long ago, sushi was the ill also um sushi became popular in america again i'm quoting uh this podcast i recently listened to sushi became popular in america back in 1980s mid 80s and there was some rock artists that, that started advertising it in rolling stones magazine they had everybody was saying raw fish ill, and look at it now mid 90s it really blew up yeah um and they're saying that it would be the same thing with insects soon he had a good sales pitch anything's yeah. possible yeah i go by mr Aton to my students teaching at Northside Charter High School, science, urban ecology, earth science, uh, and engineering. I want to give a shout out to all of my students. I love you all. My co-workers, uh, it's a great team. The administration for having me, for giving me the opportunity to bring in all of these creative ideas into the classroom. Science rocks. This is Ed Sheehan again. I want to thank you for tuning into Colony Confidential. As you see, we're expanding out in other areas, uh, all of which are helpful to you. Not only if you're in business, but also if you're a layperson. If you have any comments, good, bad, or indifferent, why don't you let us know at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and review.